0: This episode of Tarpod is proudly supported by the Recruitment Events Company, Australia and New Zealand.
1: Did you know they have been creating unique learning and networking events for in-house talent acquisition community for the past four years?
0: Yes, I did, and they're particularly well known for their strong community and RecFest, a one-day celebration of recruitment, as well as RL100.
1: This year they will be bringing new events to you, including Next Wave Talent in July and Talent Tech Rising in September. So if you're a TA professional, sign up for their mailing
0: list at recruitmentevents.com.au. Lauren, do you want me to spell that out for you?
1: No, Craig. i I'm fine, I've got that. So just head on over, everybody, to recruitmentevents.com.au and tell them that Tarpod sent you. (laughs) Welcome to Tarpod, the podcast for everything talent acquisition and
2: recruitment.
1: We're informative, controversial, and a little bit crazy. Now, please join your hosts and industry leaders, Lauren Sharp and Craig Watson.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tarpod. I'm Craig.
1: And I'm Lauren. And today we have crossed the ditch over to New Zealand and we're talking with Matt Ponton, from who's the regional sourcing manager for the COVID 19 community at Auckland Doctors and the Northern Regional Health Alliance. Welcome, Matt.
2: Hey, guys, how are you going? Yeah, really good. Really
1: good. That is a mouthful of a title. Sure is.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you probably got it a little bit wrong. Um, oh. It doesn't matter. Let's make it up.
1: You can take that up with LinkedIn That's then. okay.
2: Yeah, well, that's what I put on LinkedIn. I probably got it wrong. Never mind.
1: <laughs> so what is, what is your
0: correct title then?
2: Well, I don't really have a title right now. I'm a secondment. My real job in the real world, before it went crazy, is recruitment and allocations manager with the Northern Regional Alliance. Um, and that's a um, shared services organisation that's owned by the District Health Board in, in the Auckland region and Northland region of New Zealand. Okay. So then I got seconded into this COVID thing.
0: All right, well, before we get to there, maybe this is a good time for us to reach back and discuss or understand your background in recruitment, how you got into it, and your journey to where you are now. So take it away, Matt.
2: Wow, where do I start? I've been recruiting for a long time, about 25 years. And as you can tell from my my lovely accent, I'm from the Northern Hemisphere. I'm actually from Wales originally. And I fell into recruitment straight from university. I remember I was walking the street to Manchester as a brand new graduate in history and politics, thinking that I was going to take on the world, looking for a job. And I saw in a high street recruitment agency an advert for training managers. And I thought, you know what, I've got a BA, I'm a manager, I'm going to go in there and find out what this job is about. <laughs> Went into the uh, the agency, didn't even know what an agency was in those days. Um, got sent for an interview, and uh, it was an IT recruitment agency. And I started off on 8,000 pounds a year and as much beer as I was allowed to drink for free. <laughs> um, and this was way back in the days when there was the card box recruitment. There wasn't yeah. even email, you know, it was the old fashioned The fax machine came along and that was fun. So I started recruiting way back then. And so in IT, I moved around a bit, went down to work in the city of London, did some recruiting for large banks and telcos, did some, um, large managed vendor account. Then I met my now wife and I took her back to Wales. That's the most beautiful place outside of New Zealand to be. <laughs> and um, then I worked for myself for a wee bit and um, diversified and um, ended up going back to be an employee, because working for myself when I was that young. Didn't quite work out. <laughs> I, uh, I moved into construction, recruitment, kind of branch management. Did that for a wee while. Uh, then ended up my wife's South African, going across to South Africa. Ran a, um, a search practice from there for a little while on the way to New Zealand. Came to New Zealand. Gosh, this is a whirlwind tour, isn't it's it? It's a Commonwealth North Nations, isn't late. it? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Came to New Zealand and um, then I got into uh, internal recruitment. So I set up recruitment for a large construction firm over here uh, called Fulton Hogan. Loved that. Did that for a few years. Started some major projects. Did everything from scratch. It's an amazing place to work. Then I got into health. We had the, the dreaded GFC yep. and uh, had to move across to a, a different sector. And um, health is a recession proof se- sector, obviously. So, had a couple of years in health, loved that, but then got tapped up to go back to Fulton Hogan and went back there in the role of National Talent Development Manager for a wee while. Ended up then taking on a really cool uh, position with ASB Bank. So part of Combank over there, or owned by Combank over there. I was head of talent acquisition for a few years there. That was an awesome job. We did some really funky stuff there, like augmented reality apps for recruitment loads of stuff. It was a really good place to be, wow. but got made redundant. That was a bit of a bugger. Anyway, <laughs> well, I'll tell you about that too much. Went out on my own for a bit and did some consulting, enjoyed that for a while, and then I took on um, a return to the dark side gig. I became general manager for Drake, international in New Zealand for a wonder, while.
0: That's that's Back amazing. In the agency world. Yeah, I, I worked at Drake for a while. You were there for about a year and a half. That's like being there for ten years. It's every year's like a dog's year when you're at Drake. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, look, I learned lots of things there, um, and there's some great people there. And it hey, it's been going for a long time, um, a well-established brand, and um, got some good customers. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was a good experience. It wasn't for me longer term, so I decided to go back consulting for a wee while while I sorted myself out. Did that for about six to 12 months or so and mm. then found the current position that I have back in health.
1: Mm. And
2: here I am. So that's my whirlwind ticky tour around recruitment for you.
1: So as of March this year, you've been seconded to the COVID-19 community. Tell us what that's involved.
2: Yes, yeah, so um, with... COVID making its way to New Zealand, we were, and Australia, we've been quite lucky in the respect that we could see what was coming and we could get ready faster than some other countries. So we set up a brand new town acquisition function that focused on outside of hospital staffing for COVID. So outside of the hospital, I mean, you know, making sure we've got people at the border, health staff, nurses, professionals to do swabbing and screening, setting up all the, um, Testing centers around um, the city, dealing with the public health, contact tracing, staffing the major um, uh, call centers and looking at, which is my biggest piece of work right now, looking at our vulnerable communities. Mm. So that, uh, that covers you know, your aged care sector, your disability sector, anyone living in communities who um, rely on health uh, on a daily basis but are obviously significantly disruptive because of the COVID outbreak. So um, there was nothing in place for this. If you can imagine a rough estimate yeah. in in Auckland, there are three district health boards with the major hospitals, probably about 27,000 staff work across those health boards outside of the um, the health boards. there's probably double or maybe even triple that number of people working in communities for a, a plethora of different employers. Um it could be a GP practice. It could be um, mm-hmm. a private health organization. It could be whatever. So, you're talking about lots and lots of different employers. that didn't have one central place to go to get help when they needed to scale up pretty fast um, and staff the um, the response to COVID. So yeah, that was my gig wow. setting it up from scratch.
0: And I read in LinkedIn that you also said the the hidden or secondary challenges around mental health. So you you're involved with hiring in that space as well for COVID as well, aren't you?
2: Yeah, what we did was we we set up talent pools, right? So um, we had to move real fast. We had to put a whole call out to the community, really, um, across the city and beyond for people that wanted to, to help. Uh, and that involved setting up some talent pools for people with previous health experience and people with no experience whatsoever. Yeah. So the first stage was really that clinical focus. And I was overwhelmed with the power of purpose. You know, we had a, a massive wave, a huge influx of people who wanted to help, and they registered on the portal that we set up. And we grew a database from a standing start to three and a half thousand people in about three to four weeks.
0: Wow.
2: Um, it was phenomenal. And then from that database, we are still actively daily, you know, placing people into assignments across the city that are working in COVID-related work. But you're quite right. The next hidden illness is mental health so we set up a portal there as well to just create a really strong talent pool to provide to our community providers and um, district health boards some great talented people that can help um, on that next quest and you know that's coming and that's going to be what we're going to probably be uh, having to be very cognizant of in the future that um, once we hopefully um, carry on the trajectory we've got with COVID and keep going in the right direction We're going to have to start focusing on those other things that are going to pop up in people's lives. The impact of being displaced, losing your job, the stress, Mm. uh, it's horrendous. So mental health professionals are going to be at the forefront of, um, of critical need moving forward.
1: So at the moment, you're on level four lockdown, which is about to go to level three. Is that correct in New Zealand?
2: Yeah, we moved to level three at midnight on Tuesday over here, that's right.
1: Okay. So, what sort of impact has that had on the day-to-day of people out there and on what's going on uh, in your industry?
2: Um, well, let me talk first around, you know, my space. That's mm-hmm. had a huge impact because whilst we were and still are currently in level four, you've got a totally different pool of available people. Um, those that can work remotely or those that can't go to their usual place of work, so they want to help and uh, and they've got skills and they've registered. As we move to level three, our talent pool is diminished um, because hopefully and rightly so, people are going back to work. Yeah. So those nurses that we may have um, sourced and put in the pool at the start of lockdown, and they came from some pretty creative places, thanks to the awesome people I've got in the team that have been involved in sourcing. I'll give you an example. Um, finding registered nurses is hard enough in usual time mm-hmm. but in in this circumstance, we pulled out all the stops in terms of sourcing, and we've attracted nurses that you know have worked in beautician clinics or Botox nurses. Um, these are genuine, bona fide registered nurses that have got no work during lockdown, so we can use their great skills to work at the border or at testing centres. So, you know, whole new talent pools emerged of people who have got some great skills, but not necessarily been in that frontline clinical practice for some time yeah. now. Those people are going to be moving back into their usual employment positions, hopefully. So our pool is going to diminish a wee bit. Mm. We've got two weeks of lockdown three, but they're going to be planning to go back and cleaning up their premises and, and mm. preparing, hopefully, to open their businesses. So and, have you got a clinics. time
1: limit on lockdown three?
2: Um, I think, yeah, I think that the government here is trying to uh, to get that done in two weeks and certainly review, yeah.
0: It's amazing. The pre-planning is, is brilliant. Also with the, the clinical roles and the pools that you have available at the moment, even while you're still in forum for the next couple of days, is that almost that capacity? You Do you have enough people in your pool?
2: Yeah, we've responded really well. And um, I also want to mention that in the health sector itself, there's been tremendous planning uh, and um, what we call decanting of hospitals to ensure there's capacity. So um, the district health board did some phenomenal planning and they've had people available that can be redeployed at um, really short notice into, into different positions when required. So yeah I think've we've, we've done a pretty good job. we've, we've planned well prepared well and had um, had the ability to mobilize a workforce. There are still some pockets where we're always going to have ongoing need. It's harder to attract into the likes of the aged care sector and that being one of the most vulnerable communities and critical very places true, very staff, true. you know, ongoing, we're still trying to staff those areas and, um, uh, and having some challenges, but we, we're getting through it. So, yeah.
0: With the response, you know, it's been a rapid response. What type of technology were you using to support the recruiting function?
2: So, this is an interesting story. Um, because nothing was in place and you're talking about an environment where you're dealing with a cornucopia of different companies and employers out mm-hmm. there, right? It's not just one one organization. It was impossible to use what was in place for the health board. So the health boards have got some great ATSs um, that work really well, but you just couldn't do that because nobody could access it. By the time you got people logins and you know privacy and sharing, it's just not going to work. So we had to do something really, really fast. And so we went down the agile, low-cost tech approach. Mm -hmm. So um, we rolled out two things. One was something called Cognito Forms, which is a cloud-based solution where you can create registration pools and uh, online forms and surveys. So you've got a repository where people can come in, and you've got a repository where all those employers can request resource. So we, we created that front end. And then the second piece, the back end piece, we've been using a really cool um, ATS called Loxo, which has come out of San Francisco. Right. We I had it in place uh, in my previous position to house all of our um, data intelligence for market mapping when we do some global Is that market a mapping for topics around the
1: Medical-based uh, ATS?
2: No, far from it.
1: Okay,
2: far from it. it if you look at Loxo, Loxo, yep. it's um, basically a, a really agile ATS cloud-based that you can. Fit any industry sector to.
1: Okay, so how did you go around uh, making sure people had their licensing and certifications, in a, in a, obviously having to do it in an extremely quick manner?
2: Yeah, that's right, and that's a, a critical part of the piece. So we've outsourced Very. to <laughs> a really cool company called CV Check, and they're Australian New Zealand based, and uh, they've been helping us. Also to do a sponsor the of Starport. <laughs> Okay, cool. Yeah, and they've been helping us to certify annual practice and certificates and help us with police checks and uh, immigration clearance and all those sorts of things. Mm.
0: Well, so in terms of um, how much help did you have, Matt, getting this whole process together in such a short time? So how big is your team and what, what sort of other external help did you get?
2: So we're about 10 at the moment. The peak was 40 and we've scaled down a little bit. So in the initial stages we had additional project management resource, and um, uh, people that are from a non-talent recruitment background to help us out. What we've done is we've had a mixture of bringing in a couple of external people, some really good sources and recruiters Mm -hmm. in the industry, and seconded people internally across the health sector to help out, Um, and we've had some um, good people from my my team that uh, I was previously running, As I say, that project management element, a really awesome data analyst in the team that helped us and supplemented that with some externals, yeah.
0: And how did that look being in lockdown? So working remotely, I'd imagine, with with a team that has been brought together that wasn't in an existing team together. Were there challenges there or did it work seamlessly?
2: So I'm not remote. I go to the hospital every day Mm -hmm. to the Northern Regional Health Control Centre. So I go into an office. But the rest of the team, you're quite right, they're working remotely. Look, it's all about the model. So I set up a vertically focused sourcing structure where we had people accountable and responsible for certain job families so they they knew what they needed to do. Stage one was build the pool, source like crazy. You know, get really good people in that pool. For example, the registered nurses, as I've mentioned before. And and then stage two was delivering to the employer requests. So those sources needed to be, able to then um, match uh, and do the uh, you know the, the generic recruiting we've used all the tech that everyone's using right now so zoom every day um, yeah. we've set up Trello boards we're using Microsoft teams we've even got a whatsapp chat pinging you know, it makes me laugh I sit at my desk there's my laptop I've got two phones going I've got notifications buzzing everywhere my watch is, on my wrist is buzzing it's just constant communication yeah. flow and it has to be that way yeah how are
0: you doing your um, your interviewing?
2: So the interviews are a mixture of phone-based screening um, and the end employers also screening. So, for example, when we send nurses out to the airport border, um, the guys will do a screen, talk to people, and then we'll pass them on to the... Um, the management team at the border, then they'll undertake an additional screen. We also run training for people, so it's not just a case of an interview and then straight on the front line. Some people need special training and some people need you know good sort of orientations. People have been sent to those. And that's also part of the selection process, more for the candidates to make a balanced judgment if it's what they want to do. Um, So it's pretty in-depth. And then we've got very extensive referencing process as well. That's what we try and do, but do it fast.
0: Yeah, it's, it's amazing what you've been able to put together over such a short period. So I know you mentioned before the the number of health professionals within the, the three branches or districts within Auckland, but in terms of people that you're putting into work, do you know what numbers they've been during this process or project?
2: Yeah, well, we're in excess of 350 people have been assigned over the last few weeks just to these COVID community positions. And I just want to mention something else What we had to stand up as well, and that was an um, employment vehicle. Like I say, we're talking about working across so many different employing organizations out there that there's no time to set people up through payroll mm-hmm. uh, and contracts. So, you know, back to my early career, um, we... We put together a managed vendor solution with an external agency to help us with it. So we've got a really good one of contact managed vendor that we can streamline our um, our appointments through.
0: Okay, so that, so the contracts and the and the payroll go through that part. Yeah, 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 that's right.
1: On a general note, in New Zealand, what is the feeling over there amongst people going from a level four down to the level three restrictions?
2: Look, I don't think you need to really focus too much about level four to level three because there's not a huge difference. No. Level three is still still locked down. Businesses can operate if it's safe, et cetera. I mean, you can you, you can look at them and see what level three means. We've got to start thinking about the future and what um, the market will look like for talent um, in the post-COVID world. And hey, it's a huge a huge kick in the in the guts, really, for many organizations and recruiters out there and people are going to have to think and, and do things very, very differently. I've got heaps of great friends and people I respect immensely in the New Zealand recruitment community. And in fact, they've all helped with this COVID sourcing strategy. And um, they've all shared posts through LinkedIn and different platforms. Mm. You know, they've all spread the word. They've all offered up recruiters to help as need be. They've been immense and we couldn't have got what we've got without them. Um, But the future, well, I think the future is going to have a couple of buckets to think about really. Um, And those buckets will be kind of a build bucket. How are we going to build? Mm. Um, You know, what are we going to do that's different to what we've done previously? A borrow bucket. What are we going to do with all this amazing talent that might be now available? Uh, How are we going to share that around? A buy bucket. You know, how are we going to bring people in from overseas when we're going to have border restrictions and travel restrictions? and Um, you know, the the lack of international flights and carriers coming to New Zealand that they historically had for for a wee while. We've got to think about the bot, you know, what are we going to do now to embrace further technology and remote working and uh, and automation? Mm. And then I guess we've got the final bucket, which is the be anywhere, which is, you know, you can be anywhere and do a lot of the work um, that people may have perceived you couldn't do pre-COVID. So, um, it's really done great things for remote working. So, I guess as talent acquisition professionals and, uh, and recruiters, we've got to really think about those buckets now and where do I fit and where do I play and where do I add value? Um, it certainly so, a lot has been
1: a lot of the, a lot of management that you can turn your re- workforce remotely in such a short amount of time and digital change can happen quite quickly. It doesn't have to be the behemoth that we we often see it to be and that fear of change and making it take so long. It can happen quickly when you need it to be.
2: Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. And I guess, you know, so from a you, health perspective. Yeah, from a health exciting opportunity, an exciting opportunity for us is that there will be people available because of economic difficulty that may not have been available to the health sector before. There will be some fantastically skilled people out there that we can attract into health who may have worked for some of the big corporate brands and we need to think about that and how we can really optimise that as an opportunity as well.
1: What do you see the recovery for New Zealand out of this? Uh, Do you think when restrictions are lifted it's going to be quite quick recovery economically or do you think it'll be slow?
2: Look, I'm not an economist, um, so it's going to be a, a tough challenge, I'm sure. But one thing I do know is that Kiwis will bounce back and innovate and pull together, uh, and we'll find a way to to be successful again. Um, we'll find a way to, um, I think, show the rest of the world that you can do a hell of a lot just based on good community spirit, good collaboration, and good innovation. So... Uh, as a country, you know we probably produce enough food to feed something like forty plus million people. Mm. So we've got plenty of resources here. You know, I think we're going to be okay, but there are going to be many, many people out there that are going to go through some hard times. So, as a recruitment community, we've got to we've got to really change our approach and think about how we can coach, how we can support with redeployment, how we can how we can better be ambassadors for for brands uh, and not. As transactional, maybe as we've been able to get away with in the past, we've got to be really, really cognizant of the fact that the that the community out there needs good support.
0: Yeah, and I think that you know, as you touched on before, with the the mental health aspect, there's there's got to be stuff out there too that people are looking forward to in the future. We've got to look forward to these times when things are going to get better. And you know, maybe from your side of it, being a big uh, Wales supporter and the the Six Nations being cancelled, maybe I'm, I'm hearing that. That November there might be a secondary one this year.
2: <laughs> well, technically, Wales are still Six Nations champions. <laughs> camp- yeah. so okay you rigged, right rigged it. You
0: rigged it. Yeah. No. Look, so I mean, it's it. There's things to look forward to, right? And it's amazing what right. humans doesn't matter where they are in the world can do and how resilient they can be when a lot of things that they took for granted are taken away you know sport uh the ability to move freely uh those sort of things the the simplicity of hugging someone all these things that are taken away from us uh people have still thrived and there's still a massive amount to look forward to at the end of this um, journey we're all on
2: almost definitely i hope the world's going to be a better place at the end of this when we come out of it and people can actually look and see what they've got and and really embrace and appreciate that more than before.
0: Yeah, and I think on that note, it's been a fascinating discussion with you, Matt, and we're really thankful that you joined us from from New Zealand uh, and, you know, explain to us how your role and how quickly in this and the whole project that you've been involved with has mobilised and and helped society and community over in New Zealand and it's something that we can learn from here and in other places too. So thanks so much for joining us and it's a goodbye from me.
1: And a goodbye from me.
0: Thanks very much again, Matt. Bye now. Bye.
1: We really want to thank Andrea Kirby and the fine people at the Recruitment Events Company Australia and New Zealand for supporting this episode of Tarpod.
0: They've been creating massive events for the in-house talent acquisition community for the past four years.
1: If you haven't been to RecFest, you don't know what you're missing out on. It's the best conference, non-conference, in fact – event you'll ever go to.
0: That's right. So just don't muck around anymore. It's head on over to recruitmentevents.com.au, sign up to their free mailing list, and don't forget to tell them Tarpod, Tar-Pod sent you.
1: Thanks for listening to Tarpod. Please don't forget to subscribe and look out for upcoming podcasts. Well, there is a disclaimer. I've just had oh, surgery, yes. okay? Uh, so I'm a little bit off with the fairies on drugs. (laughs) He thinks it's fucking hilarious, I tell you.